Hey everyone, thank you for taking some time from your busy schedules to listen to Life vs. Work here on localjobnetwork.com radio. I'm your host, Tim Muma. Here on Life vs. Work, we try to help people find that sweet spot of balance between success at work with satisfaction with all other components of our lives. Today's topic touches on the definite relationship between how we feel and how we act. Finding meaning at work might be the secret to success, particularly when talking about engagement and motivation at work. To help us examine this area more thoroughly, we have Michelle Geelan joining us from Virginia. Michelle is the co-founder of the Institute for Applied Positive Research and holds a Master of Applied Positive Psychology degree, which fits in nicely with this subject, of course. Michelle, thanks a lot for joining us. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Just to start off, if you could give people an idea of what sort of your focus is in the world of employment and what you are trying to do with your institute. Well, I have to say, I think I have the best job in the world because I get to work with all kinds of folks on how to make them happier at work. Um, We focus on the link between happiness and success Mm -hmm. um, from a research perspective. Um, So we look at how the research is showing us that when our brain is set to positive, um, when it's happier, we get all these amazing business and educational outcomes. All of those improve. When our brain's positive, we see things like higher sales or higher levels of engagement, motivation, creativity. Um, So we work with organizations, businesses, hospitals, schools on how employees can raise their levels of engagement, productivity, and all those other things by first setting their brain to positive. Well, that's great because a lot of people we talk to, that's such a big concern as you mentioned the ideas of motivation, engagement, especially, and um, obviously production being the bottom line. But First of all, in terms of this idea of meaning and finding meaning or having meaning, what really does that mean in terms of work especially? Well, uh, meaning is so crucial to our work lives because meaning drives all of those other things that we would care about. Um, The productivity we feel or the engagement we feel, when we don't feel a sense of meaning at work, we're disconnected. So it makes a less productive employee and um, typically employees won't reach their goals that they're they're looking to accomplish. So meaning is central to it. Um, and the meaning can be really anything. It can be the what we're doing for clients and how that improves their lives. Mm-hmm. It can be the pleasure that we derive from the work itself or um, any other thing that someone can feel connected. But it's it's really about that sense of connection with the work we're doing and how that drives us. On the other side of it, then, if someone doesn't have that they couldn't find their purpose, their meaning, however you want to phrase it, what sort of feelings would they be having in terms of, I don't want to just say unhappiness because that's so general, but what other sort of emotions or feelings would you have if you don't have that meaning? Well, there's there's a body of research that looks at when we don't have that meaning, what do we even call that? So there's different levels of the jobs that we can have. Either it can be a job, a career, or a calling. Obviously, a calling is where we feel that deep sense of purpose, that greater meaning, and we're more connected to the people around us as a result of it. And then career is one where we feel like we're striving towards something, but maybe it's not as connected with the meaning. And a job is where you punch in and day in and day out, you do something, an activity, but you're just not really connected with the outcome of it. So people can feel when they feel a lack of meaning all a full range of emotions. And um, sometimes it can lead to feeling disconnected from the job, but also levels of depression hmm. and um, and not feeling like they want to even go to work. Right. When we talk about the, the meaning and, and positively affecting maybe performance and production, what sort of specific things does that 
kind of contribute to? I mean, obviously, we you talk about those connections and having motivation, engagement, but what specifically does that actually do in terms of maybe helping you get to that the top production, sort of, so to speak? Well, when we feel strong levels of meaning, our brain becomes activated. And so what we look at in the research is what happens when our brain is activated from a chemical perspective, for instance. Um, we see that when our brain is set to positive, so we've either thought of a positive memory, we're feeling flow in our work, where we're truly engaged, or the work is giving us pleasure and a connection to that deeper purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, what happens to our brain is all the learning centers get turned on. A chemical called dopamine, which is basically a feel-good chemical, gets dropped into our brain. And then the prefrontal cortex, which is basically the front of our head, that part of our brain gets turned on. It's the cognitive center, and it's the part of your brain that you want problem-solving or trying to get to a solution at work. It's the part of your brain that you want in charge. So from a chemical perspective, being positive is extremely helpful at whatever we're doing. Is it necessary then to have meaning? I mean, to be productive, can somebody just have the approach that, you know, if I'm going to do my job, I'm going to do it well and that's it? Is that meaning? What's your take on that? Yeah, absolutely. I think you can have a job. You can be very happy at work in a a job that doesn't provide a deep sense of meaning. Mm -hmm. And you can derive that meaning from other things you do. For instance, uh, a job can put food on the table for your family, and that's the meaning you find in it, but it's really a meaning that's connected with your off-work hours when you're home with your family. So I don't necessarily think that everyone needs that perfect fit of that calling, mm-hmm. uh, but it's it depends where you look to in your life for the greatest sense of meaning and purpose. Some people they just want the paycheck so they can go kayak on the weekend and that's <laughs> what they love, you know? And, right. and I, I, I've been there at certain stages of my life where really my job, it didn't make a difference. What I loved was the other things in my life, my family, my friends, my activities. Well, I think the interesting thing, and we talk with different people and in one of the areas that we mentioned about our passion and having a passion for your job and an, uh, an author that we had on argued to the point that you, you learn to have that passion based on success or knowledge gain, that sort of thing. So with meaning, that idea of meaning, is that something you can acquire over time as opposed to maybe having that calling or or just having that passion for something where you actually learn it based on or you feel it based on your accomplishments, that sort of thing? We can derive meaning from accomplishments for sure. Yes, I absolutely agree. Uh, I think that that middle stage, that career mm-hmm. uh, as in the job career calling is that. And I think also sometimes we can start to discover meaning behind the work we do that we didn't see before, perhaps because of the the level of the job we have. When we're entry level, we might come into an organization where we're very far from the client or the end user of the product or service that we're offering. Whereas when we start to move up in the ranks, then we have greater contact with those people and we can see the smile on someone's face when we fill an order and they're really pleased with it. It means great things for their company or their family. Or, you know, we can make decisions about the social consciousness of the company and the, the projects that we're going to be working on to donate money and, and ha- be charitable. Um, so we can see that. So it just it, it might just depend on the place we're at in our career mm-hmm. um, where we can discover the meaning. Earlier, you talked about the idea of making connections, uh, no matter what it is at work, but making connections. And you touched a little bit there, even saying seeing the smile on a client's face. 
everything I've read and when I talk to people, it's this idea of how important other people are at your job, whether it be peers you're working with or your managers, anybody that's in that work environment. Why does that seem to be such a big factor in terms of whether it be meaning or enjoyment at work, just that you're not relying on other people, but they play that big role in your life? Yeah, absolutely. So when we look at the research, the greatest predictor of happiness and success is our social support network. Really? Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, every single study that we've done in this realm has pointed to the same result, which is when we feel a deep, meaningful connection with people in our lives, this can be our colleagues, our friends, our family, and beyond, um, we are happier. The uh, When we're not connected, when we feel disconnected, when we have to do our job by ourselves and we, we don't have that social interaction, we are less happy. People report on average lower levels of not only work, but life satisfaction as well. Um, there's a wonderful researcher who he, he summed it up in just a few words. He says, other people matter. Other people absolutely matter. I totally agree with him. Hmm. On the other side of things, there are people, and sometimes I feel myself included in this, that maybe at work, they're a little more introverted. They like to work on their own a little bit. They don't necessarily involve consistently in maybe a social type atmosphere. Does that connection matter less? Is it just different? How does that factor in? Because obviously there's a portion of the population that tends to be not quite as social. I think that the difference becomes, um, so someone can be extremely a high extrovert, right? And so they have lots of people in Mm -hmm. their social support network, but how many people of those connections are high quality connections. That's the biggest question to ask yourself. So you can be an introvert, but you can have five high quality connections in your life that you maybe you have some level of interaction with these, all of these five people at some point during any given week. But, but when you do, they're deep, they're meaningful. They spur you to be better at your job. They help you grow and achieve higher levels of your potential. And now an extrovert might have tons of those people, but again, it's how many high quality connections they have. Right. Clearly, a lot of the stuff we're talking about right now is more in general, and we do have to keep things general, obviously. Uh, everyone's relationships and their situations at work are going to be different, but let's touch a little bit on, on some of the ways that do affect people in terms of their meaning at work, fulfillment, that sort of thing, and maybe how it looks, feels, just to give people uh, you know more specific ideas. And one of the things I put down is this idea of focusing on other people's success and helping other people to do well as opposed to always your own bottom line. I guess what is the general thinking behind that being a, a piece of advice in terms of helping to find that meaning? So we recently created something called the Success Scale, which is a 30-question assessment, uh, and it's supposed to look at how successful you are at the office. Mm-hmm. And one of the domains that we found to be the most interesting that we assess on is social support provision. Um, So originally we're asking, when you're at the office, questions like, when you're at the office, how much do you feel the company supports you? Mm -hmm. When you need to get a project done, how do you feel like as if you have all the resources you need to achieve that, that task? And we got a certain set of answers, but what was really fascinating was when we flipped that question around, those questions around and started to say, when you're at the office and someone is falling behind on their work, how likely are you to step in and help out? Those answers were so much more predictive of a person's levels of success at the office than the former questions were. Hmm. And so what it told us was that when you're really looking at someone's level of success, you want to ask questions of 
how likely are they to step in and help? How much are they going to contribute to the office? How much of a catalyst are they, uh, not only on the levels of success, but happiness at the office? Are they organizing lunches? Are they um, suggesting social activities? Those kinds of things can give us an, a window into seeing how successful someone will be overall. Also with that, and you talk about that obviously being a, an aspect and, and something that you guys have seen, when you have more competitive industries or maybe it's in a sales situation where there's competition, um, you, know, you could say it's friendly, maybe sometimes it crosses a line, who knows, but is that more of a difficult balance when you're talking about maybe you're competing with someone for sales or commissions or something to that effect? You know, I think we've been we've grown up in a culture that prizes competition uh, oftentimes and it talks about how we're individuals and we must strive to achieve our potential. But I really believe that the people who are most successful are the ones that, yes, they work on their own projects, they get their own stuff done, and they achieve a high level of, of success. But a lot of that has to do with how they're supporting other people. Mm. Are they celebrating other people's wins? Mm. Are they working hard to make other people shine? I, I think we've all had some of those people at our office, and you can see the incredible ripple effect that they create. They can create a positive culture at the office, and then they ultimately allow everyone to achieve the best of their potential, which in turn allows them to achieve theirs. Sure. Along those same lines, the idea of whether you're, you know, you're helping others or uh, the other idea is that what impact are you personally having on the company? In what ways can people maybe have that impact or recognize that they are positively affecting others or the company or anything that, that, that might give them that meaning from a an inside out point of view, not necessarily, you know, what am I doing? How great am I? What accomplishments do I have? But how am I contributing? So in our work with uh, Fortune 500 companies and schools and organizations, what we like to do is try to make all the research that we talk about um, and all the research that you're alluding to really practical. So mm -hmm. I'll give you two tips that we talk to people about and encourage them to take on. One of them is we suggest uh, for 21 days in a row, take just two minutes a day to email either praise or recognition or uh, gratitude to someone in your social support network. So mm. it could be a colleague, a friend, a family, an uh, English teacher you haven't talked to in 20 <laughs> years. And just take two minutes before you read any of your emails in your inbox that day and write out, you know, just two lines of why you value them right. and then send it off. And so if you can do that for 21 days, what we see is not only does it retrain your brain to start scanning the world for people like that and all the positive moments that you can talk about in those emails, but it also meaningfully activates 21 people in your social support network. So by the end, your, your brain is like, wow, look at this. Look how many people I have that I'm connected with. This is amazing. <laughs> and like we talked about, happiness is the greatest or other people are the greatest predictors of happiness in our life. Um, and then the second thing is I, I really believe in making praise and celebrating wins a regular part of our day. Um, so it doesn't have to, while this email suggestion is, is a great way to get started, it doesn't have to be a formal process. Mm -hmm. It can be celebrating the small wins of accomplishing a piece of a project, not waiting until it's totally over, or praising an employee or colleague or even your boss, as long as it's, a, you know, socially appropriate. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and just making that a regular part of your day, because what happens is you start broadcasting positivity you become a more positive person. And what we've seen is that positive, optimistic people are in turn generally more successful than their pessimistic counterparts. 
All right. Well, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here then. Um, yeah. I taught for a couple of years and one of the, I don't want to say complaint, but issues, concerns that I had, and I brought it up at, at, in different work environments as well, is this idea of, you know, all, all the positivity, which is obviously good, or the idea of recognition and awards. At some point, does that become dangerous, for lack of a better term, because people are constantly looking for that and almost needing it as opposed to just getting their work done? What's kind of the balance there? Oh, I, I love that question. Um, so I... <laughs> I think that you will never err on the side of giving too much praise. Okay. I just, I think that human beings, our brains are wired to always be scanning the world for the threats. It's just how our brain is constructed, right? Mm-hmm. Because years and years ago when we were living out in the bush, I mean, if you didn't hear a threat, you were dinner for some big animal, right? So our brain is still kind of stuck in that pattern where we might be at the office and we're constantly looking at the issues, the problems, the complaints, Mm -hmm. unless I think we train our brain to look for the good stuff. So by praising other people, what we're doing is we're not only helping our brain look for all those good things, we're also helping everyone else as well start to focus on the positive. Now, to to your point, though, we did see that if business teams are too positive and having too much fun, yes, they're, they're not as effective. But... Typically, that's at a ratio of 10 or 12 to 1, 10 or 12 positive things to every one negative thing. And where we're typically at is more like 3 to 1 or 2 to 1. So we have a long way to go to ever, (laughs) you know, be worried about to being on the top end of the scale. Sure, sure. In terms of this idea of finding meaning then, uh, you know, we talk a lot about the relationships and maybe trying to find that meaning in different ways. What role does a manager have in, in maybe helping their employees find that? Or I mean, obviously, this kind of lends itself to the idea of motivation and engagement as well. But in terms of actual meaning, is there a, a, a role the manager should play there? Um, yeah, I think that uh, it's a good thing for the manager to pay attention to pointing out meaning, pointing out potential places for meaning. Because um, like we were talking about earlier, when you're in, uh, entry level posi- in an entry-level position, you might not have access to clients, right? But maybe your manager does, mm-hmm. or maybe your manager has access to the CEO who has access to clients. So they might hear those stories that are driving the company, you know, that speak to the mission statement and why you guys are actually there, mm-hmm. and they can share that with their employees. I think managers can become a beacon of positivity, which in turn infects everyone around them. They can also create this really positive social script for the for that maybe team or that division, and and that in turn will help that manager be more successful because their unit is more successful. Going back then to the idea of the the social aspect of relationships and how obviously how important people are in terms of these different feelings, positive feelings especially. You mentioned how this idea of maybe having a deeper relationship or more solid relationships with people. What are some suggestions or or ideas in terms of helping to strengthen that or deepen some of those connections? You know, some of the things I jot down, things like lunch or friendship or meetings outside of work, where does that all kind of fall in in terms of maybe trying to help strengthen some of those internal relationships that in the end would help ideally with productivity? I, I think those are wonderful ideas because those get you to know that your colleagues on a different level and vice versa. Um, I know that when I was working at one of my very first news stations, the main reason why I loved working there is because I felt like my boss really valued having me there. And you know why I felt like that? Because he would actually take five or 10 minutes out of his busy day to come and 
talk to me at my desk or work on a story with me that I was having trouble with. Mm. He really showed interest. And it, and for me, that was, that just changed the experience. Um, So whether it's with your colleagues where you're asking them out to lunch or suggesting another kind of social activity or going on an afternoon walk for 15 minutes just to get out of the office, or it's a manager to employee way, I think any of these kinds of, um, these kinds of experiences can be so valuable because we don't do things just because we have to, right? We do things because we're driven to, because Mm. we care about it. And so this will add a level of meaning, another layer of meaning to our experience at work that um, I think is, is sort of unmatched in any other domain. Now, when you're talking about maybe doing some sort of outside social, you know, gathering or, um, you know, event sort of thing, are there any cautions to if those relationships maybe foster itself into something else? And I'm not necessarily talking romantically, but just are there any dangers, so to speak, or cautions you would have for people or is are the positives outweigh the negatives, so to speak? Uh, I think oftentimes the positives outweigh the negatives. But of course, it has to be something that's socially acceptable and responsible. Mm-hmm. So we always hear these classic stories of a a boss, a male, let's say a male boss and an intern. Okay, probably. <laughs> Where not have we the heard best. that before? I don't. <laughs> Where have we heard that before? Probably not the best idea. Um, but I think when you do group settings and when you have a, a purpose behind the activity, right? Either to get to know each other better, or maybe even it could be um, a charitable activity or volunteer mm. to give back to the community. Then now we're really talking because not only are you doing something great, but you're also bonding with your coworkers. With all this talk, obviously, of making these connections, relationships, that sort of thing, a lot of people are still going to look to themselves and what sort of accomplishments or success they have. With focusing on that, what do you suggest that somebody would maybe really put their attention to when they're when they're looking at their own personal success and as opposed to maybe just like the numbers, you know, if your sales position or you have to get out a certain amount of stories or you have to get a certain amount of clients, is that okay to do that? I mean, because obviously the, the the concern is if you're not successful and get those numbers, maybe you're going to feel down about that. What would you suggest in terms of assessing personal success? I think everyone's bar is different or everyone's method is different. So it has to be one that feels right. The challenge becomes if we set our or base our happiness or our success upon achieving a certain goal that we've set in our own minds. And sometimes we can achieve that goal, but then we quickly push the goalposts out even further, hmm. right? Like um, you hit your sales target, well, either you or the company might move it for next year. Right. So what does that mean? Is my happiness fleeting? Is my success, well, was that not as great? Um, so I think when we base our successes upon our meaning, the meaning that we're deriving from the work we're doing, that's something that ultimately could never be taken away from us. And so in turn, it would lend itself to fueling longer term happiness. Sure. Now, how can someone figure out if they are maybe in the need of finding meaning at work or possibly, because I would imagine this is the case, that they just do need a different job, a different career? Is there some way to try to figure that all out, especially you know, with some of the, the ways the economy is and everything, people worried about their jobs as it is, they may try to fight through some of this thinking they just need to find a way to, to find that meaning. Is there any sort of ideas, guidelines, tips in terms of this is a profession you should stay in or maybe you should move on? Any thoughts to that? So I think that there's a couple of things that we can do. Um, when we look at uh, the things that we find currently meaningful at work, 
um, we can see how long that list is or how deep that meaning is mm. in the job we're doing. So that, that's a great place to start. Um, just ask ourselves what, throughout our day, what do I find meaningful? What gets me excited at the office? Why do I want to stay longer hours and work on a project? I mean, what is it behind that that, uh, that drives me to do that? The greatest thing I heard about stress and meaning that I thought was so on point was typically the things that we find stressful in life, this can be at work or beyond, are the ones that we might not totally be able to see it right off, but that have the deep sense of meaning behind us, hmm. behind it. So if you're stressed about losing your job, well, it might not actually just be, it might not be for the job itself, but it's for everything that the job allows you to do for your family. So just understanding that, that underlying meaning can be really powerful. Uh, and then we see, if, is there anything we can do to deepen our sense of meaning at our current position? A lot of people don't have the flexibility right now because either of the economy or where they're at in their, in their career mm. to just up and switch a job, right? So can we work with what we have? Diving into greater levels of meaning for, at the job we're doing could be a way to, to, to change our experience at work and to transform our brain while we're doing it. Well, I think that's a, a good advice to finish up here with our conversation regarding finding meaning in your job. Of course, we encourage everyone to continue listening here on Life Versus Work. Our expert guest has been Michelle Geelin, co-founder of the Institute for Applied Positive Research. Michelle, where can people learn more about uh, both yourself and uh, some of the work of the Institute as well? Oh, we invite them to come to our website. It's goodthinkinc.com. It's uh, G-O-O-D-T-H-I-N-K-I-N-C.com. And we have tons of available resources there. Um, so we encourage you to stop by. Great. Well, thank you again, Michelle, for sharing your experience and some of your insight in this area. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Our pleasure as well. And for those of you listening, please feel free to send us an email at ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com if you have any comments or suggestions for the show. For everyone here at localjobnetwork.com radio, I'm Tim Muma. Take care. Thank you.